thoughts just for the day. The thoughts for the day. We um, question mental health and just that word mental health. Why we question that word mental health as opposed to somebody having a diagnosis of emotionally unstable personality disorder versus somebody without a disorder who states they have no mental health but yet the problems lie with a behaviour problem that consists as a yearly pattern and we're talking about the person without a diagnosis a yearly pattern of not being able to stay anywhere and be stable or hold down the relationship without causing problems within it. The same repetitance problems. So I beg to differ to when somebody says, I can't do what you do because I am not a mental health expert. And when I say, it's not, would you please kindly remove the word mental health and look at the underlying issues of what's causing depression. So, in this case, the person that says they don't have mental health is the underlying issues are of one where they stay in bed all day, they don't invest in themselves, uh, they don't follow direction very well, and yet the remit of their problems are constant. They're the same problem year in, year out. That's not saying he's got mental health. What this is saying is there is a problem in the, in, in the way you are unappreciated, why you cannot maintain employment. And it's not because of the work that you haven't put in, it's the work that you have put in, it's outstanding. But there, the valuation, the appreciation is not there from the people that you work for. Leaving you feeling completely depressed, helpless, and at a point where you feel discriminated. Well, that was one of the complaints that I've heard today, feeling that someone feels discriminated within their employment, uh, not being appreciated and being told medically that they're fit to go back to work. And they're saying they have depression. Now, you're finally admitting you've got depression. So when you tell me that you're not equipped to deal with people with mental health, you pointed out just the label, because you are equipped to deal with people that have problems such as in employment or the things that you're encountering. You're very qualified to deal with those things, to find a way out, to make your life better. So why stay in the same repetitive cycle of abuse that you do to yourself rather than make yourself become entrepreneur you're supposed to be and working for yourself all the tools and tricks are at your fingertips and the problem that we have with people we're disappointed in life is because we rely upon other people 
all the time. And when we're relying on other people all the time, that not on the same page. That's the power struggle of disappointment. Suddenly, somebody would say, because this person got angry about being told back to, to go back to work when they're bleeding physically. And, and they were going to lay down and just take that, knowing they were angry and uh, throwing things, etc. So they recognised that there was a problem there. Even within the anger, they were feeling an emotion of, how can I get this pain to stop? Because it got to the point where they threw something. They were that angry. They didn't have any control over the situation at that immediate time. So when we sit back and we reflect about what power you have now to change the circumstances and change the situation that you're in, it's very simple. It is to not be dismissed in your treatment. If you are saying you are physically bleeding and that you are not feeling very well and you're depressed and you feel discriminated and it's all playing a part of stress and somebody says to you you are fit to go back to work, you've got to stay, you've got to make a stand against this. So I recognise that some people just let other people treat them so badly they just say okay and then they move on to another place and another place and the same repetitive behaviour keeps happening within these employees you're devalued it comes to the stage in life where you have to say you know what okay if if, if the universe is saying that I, uh, these people are unappreciated in the jobs that I can do and the talent that I've got I must start to supply my own talent and create my own ideas and get people to invest in me as if I invested in their business so there are solutions to today's outcome um, one was to write a letter to say that you need your voice heard um, and that and to ask questions about the person who said you are fit to go back to work were they medically trained do they understand mental health but do they understand the what is going on with the bleeding and all of those things so are they medically trained to um, trained to make such an assessment where someone can just go back to work with such medical complications that are causing depression anxiety anger and actually even fear of losing their home so there was a wealth of emotions going on today with this individual and having a conversation with the individual to put perspective things into perspective we looked at the behavior problems we looked at how many times they've been in employment and the same outcome where the employees are just being dismissive of any of the good work they've done um, just excuses to try and get people out of work uh, it's called instance dismiss it's, it's called a uh, indirect dismissal and so that's what happens in these cases and this has happened with this individual year in year out so the amount of jobs this individual has had oh that should say something is why such an intelligent person with credentials 
cannot hold down employment. And I have been witness personally to it not being the person that cannot hold down employment. It is the employers that have no time to recognize and help their employee better his life because it's the employer that created the problems so what the employee is trying to do the one that the the person that's experiencing feeling dismissed what he's trying to do is say please can you recognize that if you don't sort out these grievances one of which you've accused me of um something that I haven't done and you've agreed I haven't but you haven't put it in writing unless this is in writing how can I return back to work knowing this kind of thing is on my file I would like it deleted I would like it I would like that in a letter format to say that you believe that this did not happen and so this this is what's happening is the person has been accused of um drugs and uh, smoking no smelling of drugs and it was a very bold statement and because it was an untrue statement they have um raised an issue with the uh, accusation that was made even to the point of going down to the discrimination uh law firm who intent says we can see your point they should have offered you a test which he they which the person individual says do a test on me i do not smoke what you are smelling is petrol but i do not smoke and for you to make an accusation knowing that i drive and i take employee uh, i take the uh the, the workers to and from the the place of work then at the end of the day why would i jeopardize my job in to doing something like that. So this individual has a point to make and until he has that validation and clears his name, he does not want to go back into that work. Yes, it's making him ill because he's now got to worry about rent and everything else. But until they clear his name of such allegation, he doesn't want to go back to that work and just blase it off as if it never happened. He wants to clear his name. Why does he want to clear his name? Because he is a black man. And when a black man has such an allegation on his record, knowing he has an immaculate, immaculate record and for the dedication of what he's done for this country, he doesn't want such accusation on his file. So he has gone to great lengths to get this dismissed. Now, the problem that we have here is that when the um, people phoned to have their well-being called them saying you're fit to go to work, the problem I have here is that I will dispute that as a well-being service. I will dispute that because the problems of discrimination do not go away unless it's written content to say this did not happen, particularly in a young black man. Because once you have those kind of allegations on record, on your work history, you just become a bum. And nobody wants to employ you. Why would you have such allegation on you that you didn't do? If you are innocent, you must clear your name. 
And unless your name is not cleared, you're going to have a reputation on you for something you haven't done. So was this man right to be angry? I believe so. But I believe that the anger that he carried out was during the telephone call could have been done in a more constructive way, S.I.E. in a letter, to iron out those discrepancies, to point out the dangers and the red flags of the medical complications. I believe that the person doing the assessment on my client, <laughs> that's the funny part about it, I would look at it this way the person doing the assessment on them to say they were medically fit to go back to work have not um, accumulated any medical certificates have not accumulated any help uh, sorry any any uh, information from who is helping with the health and well-being and what their reports are it's solely one individual that has been put in a position to make a judgment on somebody else's life on information they don't really have on hearsay not on factual evidence so on factual evidence we we or I on factual evidence accumulated medical documentation accumulated the discrepancies with the work and accumulated the discrimination uh, complaint that was put in where the law firm recognises there is some part of discrimination. Have also seen the medical issues that are affecting the body, let alone the mind, causing bleeding. Um, and that is now another worry within itself. Uh, medical problems down below. Um, now, that's all a personal problem that work or not really don't need to be privily into all of it but they just need a medical certificate to say the person is fit or not fit for work now just because you've got all these problems going on medically and you're bleeding and all of those things of course it's going to make you feel unbalanced and what is going on with my body now your body can react to stress in so many ways causing irritable bowels causing a whole lot of issues depression, when you're not eating properly, you're not sleeping properly, you're, whole, you're really unbalanced with your life, don't even know what direction you're going, and you don't even want to get out of bed. Well, lucky for for uh, this person, has had a good pep talk and is going to apply some action um, into their life and start promoting themselves and investing in themselves because they feel completely unappreciated in any of the employment that they've ever been in, yet they've learned a lot of knowledge and uh, got accredited for it. But they have all this talent and it's time for them to shine and project themselves out so they won't have discrimination, so they won't be belittled in employment or devalued in employment. It's best to just try and use all those talents you've got and make it work for yourself so you don't have these disappointments and you're in control of your life. Why do I say that? Because based on my own experiences, I went through the same, very much similar treatment of being discriminated. I was really, my progression in life was stopped at every avenue with somebody making the decision on my life 
and shuffling me around like paperwork without actually having a conversation with me to actually understand any of the things or traumas that I've ever been through and still in recovery to try and get over that trauma. Here is a for instance, <clears throat> PSD, post-traumatic, did I just say that wrong? <laughs> post-traumatic PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Really was set out for the uh, people in the army uh, that had uh, experienced traumatic events and etc. and have flashbacks. So post-traumatic stress disorder can also relate to anybody else that has had traumatic events in their life. It's past tense stuff that still plays a part on every day's life. Now until you get the graphs of how you change this, how do you stop the pattern from reoccurring, only then can you master how you change the direction of your life. I know this because I'm prime example to stop letting people tell me how I should grow. So it's me, myself and I and, and mind over matter just like it is for many individuals out there in the community. It is a mind over matter. If you do not like something in life, you can change the outcome. Now, if somebody has done you grievance, you don't take that into your hands and you project you don't project violence, but what you do, take that grievance all the way through the complaint system until they can put their failings of how they treat humanity correctly. Because that's the problem we have when people are in a position of power, they do not treat people as human beings, not everybody, they don't. They just see it as paperwork. And that's what's getting lost in today's society. We forgot how to be kind, how to listen to someone, how to listen intently to all of the problems that are encountered in an individual and apply action and a solution to how they can make their life feel much better. I'm Kerry Mussington and I'm from Mind Over Matter Project and all I'm doing is giving someone a conversation and time to talk and that's what I do. I give someone time to talk and then they can help iron out the solutions and any problems and really it's how we're treated. Don't treat others how you don't want to be treated. So the person that was assessing this individual this morning, I wonder what would happen if it was her when they um, assess the individual, if this was reversed and they were treated, well, I've made my mind up and that's it. It's judgment. Judgment on an individual without weighing up all the facts can do severe damage to someone. So sometimes there's an opinion, but sometimes you need a second opinion and a third opinion to know that you're not going crazy. So my question was to the person, well, I've been told I've got mental health. But out of the fact that I've got mental health, what it is is I don't handle emotions very well. And I'm an emotional person. And when things are so intense, what I used to do, I might have chucked plates. I might have self-harmed. But what I do now is talk and find a solution. Thank you for listening.
podcast that I just played for you. Uh, first off was Never Too Much, Luther Vandross. Then second was Freeze. And the track uh, was called Southern Freeze. Um, next, or the third tune I played for you was Outstanding by the Gap Band. And the last tune you just heard was Joy and Pain by Maze. Um, Moving on, uh, the stories just come across the desk um, and I, I often scour the stories um, before I come on to the, the show so I'm prepared but this is a story that um, has just been sent to me and I didn't see this. Uh, I think it happened uh, last week but looking at the story that I've been sent it's got today's date on it so it is current but basically um, a black Metropolitan Police Inspector um, is taking the Met uh, to court after he was stopped uh, and harassed by two white officers on his way home. Clearly they didn't realise he was a serving uh, police inspector. Um, Also with the Metropolitan Police, um, he says that he was uh, stopped. All right, here we go. The incident was on the 23rd of May, so, you know, couple of months back but it's only now come to light I guess the Met are now releasing the information Um, but he was uh, stopped after a shift on the way home Uh, he noticed that the officer approaching the car um, was not using his body cam as he should be Um, when he then said that you know I'm recording you that's when the officer then decided to uh, put his body camera on Um, They were asking about his driving license, is he insured to uh, drive the car and so on and so forth, which if the the police car isn't uh, equipped with ANPR, which is automatic number plate um, uh, protection uh, reader, um, if if the car's not fitted with that, then uh, the officers have to conduct their checks the old fashioned way. And that would be to ring up the insurance company um, you know and also do their own P- PNC checks via uh, their police radio um, then they tried to say that he, he drive through um, a red light um, and also that he was being obstructive um, because he was filming the incident when he finally uh, revealed that he uh, also was was a, a police officer and uh, two pay grades above themselves i.e you know pc sergeant then inspector and this uh, man is an inspector um the officers promptly left the scene he was not arrested he was not cautioned he wasn't charged um with anything and the officer uh, the the inspector said um he's not going to sit uh quietly and let this um just brush under the carpet he too also has children and grandchildren and wouldn't want um, the way that he was uh, treated um, to to happen to anybody else. Um, Again, this comes after, uh, you know, Dawn Butler, the black Labour MP, uh, was stopped, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, which I mentioned uh, on the show uh, on the 1st of July, uh, sprinter Bianca Williams, received a, a you know apology from the Met in the way that her and her partner were dragged out of the car again you know um 
the, the, the rhetoric is you were driving suspiciously, you look suspicious, and so on and so forth. And, and um, I don't want to say unfortunately for the Met, but just recently it seems that they are picking out high profile people, um, not realizing uh, who, who they are. And it's, it's now um, being branded, you know, racial profiling. Um, an incident happened here uh, in Suffolk, Ipswich, uh, a couple of weeks back. I say a couple of weeks back, it's probably about eight weeks ago, where uh, a young man and woman were stopped outside uh, their parents' house. Um, and again, the rhetoric was, oh, you're, you're just jumping on the Black Lives Matter pro protest, but basically, uh, they were stopped because they were driving a BMW car um, and that was then, you know, the incident was filmed and that also went viral and Suffolk Police had to put out a, um, a statement to apologise to the, the couple um, who, who were, you know, sort of house-sitting um, whilst their parents uh, were away. So, you know, without tiring everybody with the same brush, um, there are certain aspects of of the way that uh police do their job that uh are questionable um and as i said um you know that they've uh, picked upon a few high profile uh people um unwittingly i suspect and um now it's come back to uh bite them on the bottom um let's hope that uh, all of these incidents that seem to be ramping up and happening more and more frequently um, stop happening. I'm not saying that uh, people shouldn't be stopped if they are doing wrong, um, but uh, people need to be aware that, uh, you know, situations are being put on them that don't need to be put on them and put in situations that people don't need to be put in. If, you know, the vehicle is driving correctly, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, there is no generic police operation locally, there is no section 60 uh, in place, then let people go about their, their, um, their daily business uh, and their daily lives. The trouble is, um, speaking from experience, uh, that the, the government do put uh, pressures on police officers um, to perform. And what they mean by that, you know, you and I on the outside would think, oh, perform, what is it we, we, we have to do? Um, and you would expect it's going out there and uh, arresting and, you know, catching criminals and putting them behind bars. That's what you would think um, is what police are being asked to do. But the reality of the situation is, is that police are being asked to leave the station and return with 10 stop and search slips completed. It was like that 10 or so years ago uh, when I was a serving police officer and I believe it to be the same way now. So your task for the day is to go out and to stop people to gather intelligence. But intelligence on what? If you're not uh, in crime hotspot, if you're just walking down the high street, um, you need to get 10 stops to uh, 
keep your sergeant and your inspector off your back when you get back to the station. Uh, you are just going to randomly pick the first 10 people that you come across. Um, some of them will undoubtedly have a criminal past, but on that particular day you stop them, that doesn't mean that they're a criminal right this second. So it's, it's become uh, an organization uh, collecting paperwork. That, that's basically what the, the bottom line is. So I believe these officers are still under the pressure of, we need more stops, we need more stop and searches, go out there and get them. By getting those stop and searches, they can then uh, show the higher powers to be, you know, the, the superintendents and the chief constables, who then go and sit round the table with, you know, the government ministers and say, look, you know, last month we stopped 20,000 people, um, you know, in, in London on routine stop and searches. And out of those 20,000 people we stopped, um, 100 people were carrying knives and we removed those knives and prosecuted those people. That's the way that they seem to be operating and that's the way that they secure their budgets going forward. Um, police numbers are low, can't get more police if you don't have the budget to fund and to pay these officers. We already know that officers are struggling, um, you know, working triple shifts at the moment with coronavirus and various different bits of disorder that have happened uh, over the last three or four months during the lockdown. So, you know, officers are retiring, officers are leaving, officers are going off sick. Um, so it really is a thin blue line. However, it still doesn't excuse uh, the behavior of uh, a minority of, of officers who uh, still uh, possess certain thoughts about other persons other than themselves, in particular persons of colour. So let's hope that uh, the work that is being done to rectify uh, this situation um, continues so that uh, all persons can have uh, full confidence that if uh, confronted um, by the police for whatever reasons, uh, you should be treated um, fairly and humanely uh, and not just uh, picked upon because of the colour of one's skin. So I'm going to leave that one there and uh, give you uh, a couple of updates about things uh, locally. Um, first and foremost, uh, a man in Ipswich uh, back on, uh, let's see, that's uh, four or five days ago now, um, was left with a two-inch gash um, on his hand after he was attacked at two to three o'clock in the morning. Um, this incident happened on Brantford Road. Um, the man lost 750 pounds worth of equipment, um, mobile phone, laptop, and various bits and bobs, camera. I'm not sure if he was coming home or, you know, um, on his way out to work or whatever he was doing, but he was attacked by uh, two men who snatched his rucksack containing these articles and in the melee um, he's left with a two inch gash um, on, on his hand so um, let's hope that he makes a full recovery. Um, police say if you have any information on this incident or you saw anything uh, contact them on 101 and uh, please use the reference number 37 
slash 47244 slash 20 and that's uh, for 101 to report any information that you have on that situation. Leaving that one there, moving on, um, a young girl here in Ipswich of 14 uh, was left in a very distressed state after she went to uh, Alexandra Park with a friend just to hang out. Uh, on the way home, uh, I believe the friends parted company. One girl went one way and the other girl went the other way. And this 14-year-old girl walking along Back Hamlet was then approached uh, by two men um, in their mid to late 20s. Um, these men tried to uh, coerce this young girl to getting into the car with them. Um, and I believe a member of the public saw what was going on and shouted the men off and they drove away and the young lady managed to run away and go home and raise the alarm. Um, the men were uh, mixed race and mid to late twenties. Um, one male was described as uh, small uh, in height and stature, um, whereas the other man was described as looking like a bodybuilder. Uh, the pair of them were in a silver or grey convertible. Um, so if you are in the Ipswich area, um, please, uh, you know, especially on your own, pay attention to uh, cars cruising by you, um, cars stopping and then catching up to you. All the classic hallmarks of stalking an individual. Um, if you know you've got to go through an alleyway, um, try to avoid it if you can. It's not always possible, but try to make sure that when you're doing such things, it's in daylight. And again, this incident is in broad daylight. This is not even, um, you know, nighttime where, where it's dark. Um, so again, um, if you have any information on that, um, I don't have an incident number, unfortunately, but again, contact uh, 101 and uh, give over the information if you should have any information uh, regarding that last uh, incident I've just read out to you. Um, also, uh, here in Ipswich, but I believe um, it's across the whole county, uh, two men, Maverick Dyer and uh, Christopher, I believe, I believe they're brothers, um, were both jailed for six years for conspiring to supply heroin and crack cocaine into the Haverhill area. Um, their arrest comes after a metropolitan uh, police operation, obviously that's London, um, on, on county lines. So I guess the Met have uh, had the intelligence uh, on these two individuals and naturally tracking their movements um, all the way up here to uh, Suffolk and Haverhill and as a result of them and I guess Suffolk Police working together these two young men amongst others but these are the names that I have um, were given six years uh, on Friday uh, for their part in the county lines operation so that's a um, good result for them um, get these uh, drugs uh, off of the street and the people who are peddling uh, these drugs, um, it's, it's killing people and people are suffering. So, um, again, you know, good work on the police. Let's hope that, uh, you know, there is more to come. Um, you know, this uh, really is a conveyor belt 
uh, of people's lives here. Um, drugs are coming from all over the country, but the people peddling the drugs are, are moving around um, just as sophisticated as, as any police service can get. Uh, the people uh, doing this are equally as sophisticated, so um, let's uh, hope that uh, these individuals, um, whoever they are, are caught quickly and um, put away for significant periods of time. Uh, just before I go, one more story that came out last week, uh, just after I finished uh, my last show, so I didn't get a chance to mention it to you, but um, going back to London with the Metropolitan Police, they have uh, decided to close the investigation into the death of Stephen Lawrence. Um, for those who don't know, Stephen Lawrence was the black teenager that was murdered uh, by five uh, white racists uh, back in Eltham, South London, back in, two, uh, beg your pardon, 1993, 27 years ago now. Um, subsequent uh, investigations found five individuals uh, not guilty of the crime. Then the law was changed, which meant that they couldn't be tried again because of double jeopardy. Um, which meant you couldn't try a suspect twice for the same uh, crime, but they've reversed that now if the evidence uh, is supported. Uh, since then, uh, two of the individuals of the original five individuals have been uh, convicted and are currently in prison um, for the murder of Stephen Lawrence. Uh, there is a third man who was uh, arrested probably about 18 months ago on drugs charges, uh, very serious drugs charges, um, and he was extradited from Spain or somewhere like that a few months uh, ago, or so about 18 months ago, and he's currently in prison. So I don't know if they are going to try to draw him back into the Lawrence investigation, but as I say, I haven't heard that, and as I say, uh, now they are closing the uh, investigation because uh, there doesn't seem to be any fresh leads. Um, the Met Commissioner has expressed her regret to the family. Um, Stephen's mother, um, who is now uh, Baroness Lawrence, um, after you know campaigning for 27 years for justice for her son, um, has said she uh, understands the Met's decision Although she's not happy about it, she's going to continue um, fighting for uh, justice for Stephen along uh, with uh, Neville Lawrence's father, although they are uh, no longer uh, married. Um, they separated some years ago after the immense stress of uh, losing uh, their son Stephen. So um, yeah, I thought I would mention that. Uh, stories uh, of great importance, of, especially when dealing with the Met. You will know that the McPherson report that came out at the time as a result of the poor way that the Met handled the situation is where the term institutional racism came from. That was coined by the man who wrote the uh, report, Lord McPherson, um, and ever since then that has stuck. Um, so again, 27 years and uh, here we are still talking about race issues within the Met. So um, let's hope it doesn't take another 27 years for them to rectify 
the way that they do things. Anyway, with that said, um, I'm going to bring the show uh, to an end uh, today for once on time and I'm going to uh, play some music to ease you out of the show but ease you into the rest of your day and hope that the weather holds out for you and um, wish you all a great day and um, prosperous day with whatever it is you're doing. So with that, check this out. Juicy Fruit, M-Tune. Have a good weekend. See you later.